Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of It's My Wrestling Podcast. I am, of course, as always, your host, Chris Dees. Before I get started, as always, please make sure you hit subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Hit follow if you're listening on audio platforms. Today's guest is a man I'm very, very excited to speak to. I'm always excited to speak to any Ring of Honor talent. Had loads of them on over the last year. Always an absolute delight to talk to. Not only is he a wrestling veteran, he made the move into commentary for Ring of Honor as well, and is also an ordained minister. So he's a man of many, many talents. He's, of course, the one and only Mr. Caprice Coleman. Caprice, thank you so much for giving me your time. How is it going? It's going well, man. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me on here. No, man, like I say, absolute, the, the pleasure is absolutely all mine. As I say, I've had loads of Ring of Honor talent on in the past. Love talking to you guys. Such a, like a, a family feeling amongst the roster whenever I've spoken to anybody from the promotion. And I think that's, honestly, I'm just going to get straight into it because that's where, where I really want to start and, and speak about Ring of Honor. The fact that you guys are all such a, a tight-knit family, it always feels like you're, you've really got each other's backs. Nobody is ever looking to like leapfrog anybody else. So obviously the news that's come out in the last couple of weeks has been incredibly surprising i'm sure you've already spoken to loads of people about it i'm sure you've done podcasts and interviews where you've been asked about it so i'm sorry if you're <laughs> just repeating the same information but I'm, I'm really keen to to hear it from as many different perspectives as possible like the news when the news came out just for me as a fan i i sat there speechless i i was completely shocked so have you had time for it to really sort of set in as, as it started to make sense what's going on with ring of honor for you um, that really makes sense, but it's like it's, it's wrestling, you know, and we get it. And I, I don't think anybody really has hard feelings because during the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs. And it's in WWE threw away, like put a lot of people on, you know, on hiatus and, and other talents as well. And Ring of Honor was the company that was like, no, we're going to hold on to anybody, everybody, you know. And, um, and I think it caught up with them, you know, so it's kind of like they tried to do what was best. And, um, and it didn't work. So their heart was in the right place. You know, I'm sure if they had to do things all over again, they might have done some things different, but we have what we have. And um, I can look back and say that their heart was in the right place, even with the COVID protocols um, that they had. They were really serious about that. And um, even spending more money uh, with, with our stays and the testing, because we had to get tested before we got there, tested when we landed, tested before we left. Um, we, we all stayed instead of being like a roommates, we all had single rooms and we couldn't leave the hotel. The hotel had to be cut off for us. And it, it was a lot into it and they continued to do that. And they were willing to do it, um, through the rest of the year, just to protect us, you know? So when you think back in hindsight, uh, if anything, uh, they really lost it for taking care of us. If you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's been a big topic of discussion today, because obviously I don't want to focus on what's happened in other companies too much. But obviously, WWE have just released loads more superstars completely out of the blue. And one of the big things that I've come up seeing is um, people are saying, oh, well, why is nobody angry at Ring of Honor doing it? And like, it's a completely different situation. Yeah. Ring of yeah. Honor, like you say, they looked after you guys really like it's incredibly noble what Ring of Honor right. did during the pandemic because, you know, they, they didn't have to. I know obviously their heart was in the right place, but like you say, they could have done things slightly differently and maybe they wouldn't be in the situation they're in now. But nobody nobody was thinking about that during a pandemic where they just wanted to look out for each other. So right. it's, it's, it's difficult. It's awkward. But um, no, you've, you've got to take your hat off and respect Ring of Honor for what they did. It was incredible. Um, 
But one other thing I wanted to ask about that, though, I, I had um, had your colleague Shane Taylor on the show just a couple of days ago, um, and he said something that really surprised me. He said that he wasn't surprised. He he saw it coming. Like, did you or, or the majority of you, did you have any idea at all? Were there any, like, rumblings? Did Was there any rumours going around, any whispers backstage, behind the scenes, or was this a complete shock? Not not rumors or anything, but I can see where Shane Taylor's coming from because there were times where I was home and I was trying to figure out where the money was coming from to take care of us because the fans weren't there, you know, the TV, the TV show. And then we were shooting, shoot, we shot reruns for like a month and then we were doing tapings and it was like they were paying us, but I couldn't figure out where the money was coming in to. So I just figured, oh, Sinclair has it. But then I was like, well, do they really have it? You know, and then so I, in the back of my head, being a mathematician, I was trying to figure out, like, how it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when we got the call, I was kind of like, yeah, I saw, you know, you kind of just kind of saw the writing on the wall. But it wasn't like um, anything shady It's just to me, things didn't add up. And so, like, in my head, it just didn't add up. And so um, when, when we heard about it, when we were told. It was kind of like, yeah, you know, like we get it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we get it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I see different people have different views on it. And I definitely see what Shane was talking about, because I like I said, I, I remember sitting down sometimes and just thinking like, man, they're really taking care of us. And like, you know, they didn't cut our pay, didn't like say, hey, let's do half or let's do this until we see or, you know, and then we, we were given more incentives than we were with crowds, you know, with the crowd away, we were given more incentives. And also it was almost like they were definitely spending more on us with the crowd wasn't there and there was nothing coming in to yeah. facilitate, you know? And so, yeah, I just, I just really couldn't add it up. And, and there's more than just the crowd that, that, that pays for ring of honor, uh, you know, but like, that's just, you know, my part, my writing on the wall was trying to add it up that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the what what Shane said to me that really hit the nail on the head was like it was a shock, but it wasn't a shock. Yeah. No, I mean like the, yeah, you, you, but but uh, but as I say, right, that's that's enough focusing on that. Obviously, it's it's a horrible situation. I hope by the time April twenty twenty two comes around, we have Ring of Honor back. So fingers crossed, because well, and that's was, I think that's the thing that that we that we need to make sure people understand is that bad news is going to spread fast and people will make bad news worse if you let them. And so the bad news is, Oh, ring of honor is closing. No, it's, it's taking a hiatus. You know, basketball takes the season, takes seasons off. Football takes season off. Baseball takes season. Off. Wrestling never takes the season off. You know what I'm saying? This company is saying, Hey, we're taking a season off to revamp. Yeah. Yeah. But like, if you had a favorite show that was doing a season finale, why wouldn't you watch the season finale before yeah. the next season? You know what I'm saying? But they're like, oh, we shouldn't watch it anymore because it's closing. No, it's, it's going to do like a really huge season finale for Final Battle, and then we're going to revamp in April. There you go. Yeah, I, know. I know it's crazy. It's, 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 it's people trying to put a different narrative on it, isn't it, for social media, for likes and for comments. I think people thrive off bad news, and, and some people want more bad news, and they want to spread it. And, and a lot of people that I feel are spreading that news are people that never really supported the product anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like you, you, they're they're hearing something bad and they just want to harp on it um, or whatever. They were really never a part of the process anyway. And if they were a part of the process, they would full understand what's going on. Yeah, no, of course. Like, I, obviously, I 
from the outside looking in just as a fan like i'm i'm really active within like the the internet wrestling community you you have to be these days especially as as a podcast host but i've seen so many people talk about ring of honor recently who i've never seen talk about ring of honor before whether it yeah. be good or bad like never supported the product never made made me aware that they were a fan before i talk about it all the time and then all of a sudden people are coming out of the woodwork saying oh ring of honor should have done this ring of honor should have done that well Maybe you should have supported Ring of Honor. Yeah, and I, it's just the fact that they did. And you, whether they did or didn't, it's just now you want to talk. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like, you know, your team, a team winning the the, the Super Bowl or, or the NBA, NBA championships, and now you're a fan of them. It's like, it's the opposite. You know what I'm saying? It's like, now you want to put the shirt on or now you want to take the shirt off or now you want to harp about it when you really never said anything about it before. Yeah, sunny day fans, we call them in yeah. the yeah. UK. Like they just, they just put the, the jersey on. On a nice day. Oh, that's what's so dope about this, though, bro. Like, I know you're saying you have some of us on, but like, y'all in the UK watching us, supporting us, know what we're about. Like, that's so dope, man. That's why I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. Um, Fight TV. When when you guys got onto Fight TV, that really changed the game for us because it was always that was the problem I always found with Ring of Honor. Like, I knew yeah. of Ring of Honor, and I knew what you guys were doing was great, but I didn't really have much of a way to to get that. Yeah. So. Fight TV really changed things up for me. Um, right, let's let's move away from that. I want to go right back to the start and talk about less about Ring of Honor, more about you. Um, I was a little bit surprised to find out that that you were um, trained by the Hardy Boys. Now that surprised me because I didn't realise that they. I know obviously they had um, Omega and they had their own sort of like their backyard thing and the trampoline um, organization promotion that kind of thing. But I didn't know that they were training wrestlers. So what what was that like for you? Like what were they like as Trainers, were they much older than you at the time, or were you like similar? We're, we're all around the same age, actually. Um, Matt's maybe one or two years older than I am. Jeff and I are like really close to the same age. Hmm. Um, and so we, we've all been around the same time. They they were the TWF, you know, the Trampoline Wrestling Federation. Yeah. And um, I, I was I was not part of that, but I was a huge fan of it. You know, I, they used to have a video in the um video store believe it blockbuster the the local the local video store uh was sand hills video or, or something to where they actually got their videos they would do shows on the trampoline and they would rent out the videos in the video store and i would rent the videos out and just watch them uh and then later they turned into like east coast wrestling federation or wrestling association or something uh and then it was uh, nfwa like new frontier wrestling alliance and then Matt had a dream. Like I was there with the New Frontier Wrestling Alliance. And then I was there when Matt came to wrestling practice one day. I was like, man, I had this dream about changing everything to Omega. We was like, what's Omega? He was like, organization of modern extreme grappling arts. He was like, okay. Like Matt was always like the brainchild, you know, behind that. And as a trainer, um, it, it, was, it, was, it was dope actually because Matt was more the serious, like this is how we wrestle. And then you're learning how to bump and you're learning how to do the wrestling things and all that. And then you see on the other side of the ring, Jeff has this mat. Jeff and Shannon has like this mat in the ring. And they're like doing flips and dives and all that. So you're like taking your bumps and kind of like looking to the side and doing what you need to do. And kind of like always looking there. And then after practice, you're like, oh, can I jump off? <laughs> and so like you're waiting to after practice to try to cool stuff that they're doing or whatever. And so like uh, it was a great experience, man. And at that time, um, they were just trying to make Omega big. You know, they had did WWE stuff and they had did some spots or whatever like that. And we were all happy about it. But it was really like about, you know, 
making our organization big. And it was, it was huge. Uh, it was getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and then they got pulled out and like, I was happy for them. It was, it was like a great experience. And for me, uh, that was really all I knew, you know, and then, and then within Omega, when Omega wasn't running shows, we were going to other shows and we were going to these other shows and the people that were wrestling there were like really like old school, 1980 basics wrestler. Like if they did something off the top rope, it was like a splash or that was the high flyer, you know what I'm saying? And so here we come to these shows, like groups, two groups of cars or whatever, and doing moonsaults, backflips and jumping through stuff and all that. We, we were way ahead of our time and they were always, oh, we were the spot monkeys. You know, we, 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 that's what Matt gets that we were the spot monkeys because it's like, oh, y'all a bunch of spot monkeys, y'all doing this. But we would just, we latched onto like the, the Lucha Libre and ECW style. And that was like us. Um, and, and that's where it came from. Yeah. That style really changed the game, didn't it? Cause at that time, yeah. they did not really seen much of it. We've seen a little bit of it in WCW, like with the cruiserweights, but they were, right. they were pretty much an afterthought really, weren't they? They were just sort of like their lower mid card, but look where wrestling is now man that 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 style is literally everywhere isn't it like we, the hardy's changed everything absolutely they saw that style man and, and that's what they latched on to and that's where that's what our shows were about you know we were like the high fly everybody was some kind of innovative high flyer eat flyer or like the innovative power guy but like we, innovation was like our thing we did stuff nobody else did we were way ahead of our time yeah man, yeah, man absolutely my favorite tag team of all time Jeff Hardy's my favorite wrestler of all time. So when I when I realized that you trained with them, I was like, I have to ask because that's such a cool little thing. Because like I say, I didn't really realize that they were that they were training people. So that's really cool. Um, after after you were done with those guys, you you started to make appearances for the NWA, didn't you? NWA Wild Side. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually through them too. Shannon uh, Shannon and Shane, oh. uh, Joy Matthews, and all they were trying to get me to come up there. Um, and then when I finally had a chance to come, because I always had a full time job. You know, that's all they did was wrestle. And I had a full time job. I lived on my own. So I couldn't like just drop everything. I was working in a plant, going to college. Um, I paid my way through college and all that. So everything I was doing with wrestling was like a hobby. But for them, that's all they ever wanted to do. So I'm I'm paying bills with my job and just trying to get days off and all that. And that's that's like all they, they did, you know, with their parents and they and they wrestled. You know, they came. That's that was all they did. And they had friends that uh let like one friend had a landscaping job so if they needed money between wrestling they could work landscaping or whatever like that but like i was like you know the working nine to five or well six to three or whatever like that and then off on the weekends and if there was a show you know thursday or friday i had to get a day off work or you know stuff like that so i wasn't able to move like them and if i had to do it all over again i probably would have done that i mean my advice to anybody that's like Oh, what would your advice be to the young up and coming generation would be like, if you're going to do it, go all out with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I would have done that. But at that time I didn't, but they, they pulled me along the ride uh, and all. And then Shannon kept telling me about NWA wild side. And when I finally got a chance to get up there, Shannon and Shane, uh, they were there for a little while, but they got moved to Memphis with Burt, Burt Prentice and ended up going to WCW. And I was at wild side. I'll be honest, I, I'm not really, like, I'm familiar with NWA, the NWA that we have now, but I wasn't really familiar with it around that time. Was it was it televised, Wildside? Yes, it, it was televised, uh, and it was actually, like, televised, like, I would say nationwide, 
put on different channels. And the reason why I know that is like I was doing NWA Wildside and I would get phone calls uh, every once in a while. Hey, I'm, I'm here in so-and-so. I saw you on TV, man. Where you? I'm in California and I'm in so-and-so. And it's just like weird channels that would just pop up on. Uh, that people would watch it and they would like call me and tell me about it. So like, I thought that was it, you know, when, from Omega, I was like, what's going to happen after Omega and the NWA wild side and NWA wild side was like, Ron Killens was there. Who's, um, uh, what's his name now? Uh, dang, I feel crazy now. R-Truth. Uh, yeah, R-Truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of guys came from NWA, NWA wild side and AJ Styles is like the biggest name, but there's a lot of, guys there that just came through that that sector um so that's where i was yeah very cool like you you must have as as a fairly young for a fairly young guy at the time like going to somewhere like nwa must have been a must have been a pretty daunting experience like when i when i think of wrestling obviously you you think of wwe but when you think of proper wrestling and traditional wrestling i think of the nwa because it's a lot more traditional there's a lot more of those like the proper the, the deep roots of, of resting all the way back to like the territories and, and those, those kind of days. So that must've been pretty daunting surely for you as a, like I say, a fairly young man going into such a, a well-established, well-known organization. And the NWA at that time um, was territories again. And it was kind of like, you could buy the NWA name. So they had like NWA, California, NWA, Tennessee, NWA, Mid-South, NWA, Wildside, NWA, uh, Florida, or, or whatever like that. So it was like different NWA spots, NWA Canada, you know, um, that that were part of the NWA logo. And they were all like sectors. So it was like you had territories that had the NWA name, but like they had one champion. You, you know what I'm saying? One, one champion, a national champion, a tag team champions. And then each individual territory had their champion, their television champion, or whatever like that. And so uh, that's the way it worked then. And NWA Wildside was was really like kind of like their uh, their version of Omega in a way because like they had the, the, the different wrestlers there. Like they had the Ron Truth Killings, they had the AJ Styles, um, the, the Jason Dazzes. They had like. Uh, just guys that were really different there. And that was actually the first place that I went to after Omega where other people were like as athletic as I was, you know? And so I would say that NWA wild side is where I was forced to be different because I'm thinking I'm going there with a moonsault and with this and the court screw and, uh, and I could do the, uh, the gators. I don't know what they call it. Uh, Billy Kidman's move. What's it called? Uh, the, shooting star press i could do the shooting star press i was doing all that and i was thinking like i i could i would be like wipe the house with all these guys and then you go out there aj styles doing everything that you could do i'm like oh crap (laughs) and there were other guys that that could do it and so it was cool but it was like when what makes me different and they handed me a microphone and and that was it and uh my difference was the microphone and so they they could wrestle and do all that stuff and i could wrestle do all that stuff and i could talk on the microphone and so that was what forced me to be different. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, I'm, I'm really glad that you, it's, it's weird. Every, every answer that you give me sort of like segues into the next, <laughs> the next thing that I wanted to ask you about, because I actually wanted to speak to you about like mic skills and promo and stuff like that, because um, obviously you, you made your way to the commentary team in Ring of Honor. You've, you've, you've been around wrestling for, for a long, for a, a pretty long time. So sort of like about 20 years, I think, is it? around mm-hmm. that mark? 26. 
26 years. Wow. 26 and yeah. you're, still, you're still like, <laughs> how can I say this? You're not old. Oh, you I'm, I'm 44. I'm 44. I started, I started when I was 18. Um, yeah. And so that, that's where I get the name, the ageless one from, because it's like, you're what? But like, yeah, I've been, I started wrestling when I was 18. I uh, trained with Matt and Jeff and um, I'm 44 now. So, yeah. And yet, like I say, you've still got you've still got years left in you, but that's that's why I was curious about the move into commentary because that obviously not always, but tends to be a move that a lot of wrestlers would go into roles like commentary or backstage or do you know what I mean? Like in production, once they're at the end of their careers, once they're about to hang up the boots or after they've hung up the boots. So, like, is are you at that sort of stage of your career now? Are you thinking about? winding down because you've been doing the commentary for for a little while now haven't you yeah here's how that happened um i love wrestling i love all aspects of wrestling and um it just it's kind of just filling my lap like i was every everything i've been a part of in ring of honor i've been the mouthpiece of yeah. you know with uh, the cnc wrestle factory with me and cedric i was more the mouthpiece of that uh, and then we had rebellion, which we were, me and Kenny were kind of both mouthpieces, but I was kind of like the manager mouth, mouthpiece of that. And then I had uh, Coleman's pulpit, which it was my own talk show. Um, and then like they would put me a commentary once in a while and I would just do it. Um, but I would come to the back and like production and I would be like, man, like you're really good at this. Like you should try to do it more. Often. I was like, well, I'll do whatever y'all, whatever y'all want me to do, I'll do. And um, Colt Cabana was doing commentary uh, at the, he was the color commentator at the time and um, he was getting ready to leave. And like, so they would put me as the third man there and all, and I was just having fun with the guys. Um, and so when he left, you know, they offered me the position and I took it and, um, and I was under an exclusive contract uh, then. So it just meant I couldn't wrestle anywhere else because I was under exclusive um, already to where I couldn't wrestle anywhere else. So then when I took the position for commentary, I couldn't wrestle anywhere else and I was doing commentary. But I never like stopped wrestling. Like I stopped wrestling on the indies, but like I kept in shape. I stayed in shape. I stayed training uh, and stuff like that. And so then um, it, it just kept going and I fell in love with it because my thing with commentary is that I've had wrestling matches places and I would go back and watch the match and even matches I've gotten hurt on. And I listen to the, the commentary and they would be talking about something way like off the blue that had nothing to do with the match. And I'm sitting here hurt, you know, I tweak something or I do something and and it would frustrate me um, that like the commentary would sometimes the color would be putting themselves over and making themselves sound great. And I'm like, you know, that's that's really not what it's about, because I really feel that the two athletes or the athletes that are in the ring are literally putting their lives on the line. They're like stepping in that ring is has been a life altering experience for so many other guys. You know what I'm saying? So I really feel like it's my job to paint the picture of what's going on in the ring with these athletes to be able to tell their story, you know? And so, and so it really frustrated me uh, when I would go back and watch some of my footage or, or whatever like that. And you would hear the commentators talking about something, something else or something else that was going to happen. And I would just in the back of my head, I was just like, if I had ever had that opportunity, I would talk about the people in the ring and not about myself. And I figured if I did that enough, it would get over and that would make me over. You, you know what I'm saying? And so, I would do that. And then some of the guys, they would say, Hey man, I really appreciate you calling my match. And I really, and like, all I'm doing is just talking about what I'm seeing, but I'm not talking about myself because it's not about me at that time. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. 
All I need is the halls or something every once in a while. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Like, um, commentary is a sort of like um, a dying art now. There's not many. You, 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 I hadn't really thought about it until you've just said it. Like, you, you listen to commentary and you think, okay, yeah, you need the commentary because when, when there's no commentary, it's horrible. You know, um, and when there's no crown, it's horrible. You need you need sort of like that soundtrack to go along. But when you when you actually think about it, like I I didn't like um, Mauro Ranello in NXT. A lot of people loved him. A lot of people loved his energy. But a lot of a lot of it did feel very sort of like not attention seeking. I think that's the wrong way to put it. But it, it really did feel like he was trying to be the star of the commentary table. And I don't think there needs to be a star of the commentary table. Like you say, it should be all about what's in the ring and you guys trying to help us get more invested in what's in the ring, you know? I think I think if I had to define commentary, I would say commentary is the conscience of pro wrestling. You have your conscience that, like, tells you what to do and you've done something before, you'd be like, man, something told me I shouldn't have done that. You know, like your conscience, whatever like that. And so I feel like commentary is the conscience of pro wrestling. We tell you what we want you to think and it's up to you whether you believe it or not. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'll be the last person to say, uh, like in some places you do, oh, he does this little move, or oh, he sure is small, or why would I tell the crowd that? You know, say, oh, he's built different. Oh, he's, you know, he, he, wow, look at this move, that's different, or, or whatever like that. I would never like cut anybody under, no matter how I felt about him. That's an athlete in the ring, and so that's the way I look at it, you know. And so I feel like if you see something, uh, or, or whatever, that's you, but I'm not gonna say it. And it's the same way they, they protected Hulk Hogan. Like Hulk Hogan, main thing was everybody said, oh, he, you know, he, he was balding. But there were times they, they were not allowed to speak about his hair. You, you know what I'm saying? They protected him. So they they knew uh, they knew that commentary had that power that if they didn't say certain things, fans wouldn't think it. You know what I'm saying? But if they wanted to cut somebody under, they would say, hey, say this. Hey, throw this in there. Hey, call this move little. Hey, say not too big or say, hey, he's missing something or say this and that. And the third and it will undercut other people and make other talents. So I'm like, why not make everybody and let the fans decide who's the best? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely an art to it, isn't there? Of like you've depending on what sort of commentate you are as well, because obviously you always get your, your heel commentators. So you expect that kind of thing from them. But I think there's still I think there's still a way of doing it without you, burying. Absolutely. Absolutely. You could be a great heel commentator in, in, without burying talent. You know, um, it, there's a lot of great ones out there, you know, and I, I like actually personally, um, there's a wrestler uh, at Ring of Honor that does comment Silas Young. Yes. Uh, he's like, a, I mean, he's phenomenal at it because he understands and he gets it. And like he might say something every once in a while, but he's still upholding the talent, you know, because I believe if you're in that ring and especially if you're on our roster, there's a reason why you're there. You just didn't show up one day and said, I want to be a pro wrestler. Like you went through steps to get where we are. So we should tell you what steps you went through. We should tell you why you're here. We shouldn't make you seem like you shouldn't be there because then somebody that's watching it or just turn on the TV for the first time and be like, yeah, why is he there? You, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And so the power of the commentary team. Yeah, man. I think people like think back to obviously I always have to go back to WWF, WWE, because it's just what I grew up on. But I think back yeah. to so many iconic moments and as much as I remember the moment, you tend you tend to remember what JR said, don't you? You remember all those amazing one-liners, the things, that, or, or even Michael Cole. People like to talk a lot of crap about Michael Cole. I think he's a great commentator. Loads of iconic lines, like the miracle on Bourbon Street and all those kind of things. You associate them with those mm -hmm. moments, and they, they make yeah. you feel 
more and get you more invested and make you understand. And, you know, like, like you say, it's, um, it's all about being respectful to the guys in the ring because they are at the end of the day, still putting their lives on the line. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to ask though about, about the commentary as well is how, how do you feel when, cause you touched on it a little bit there. Like sometimes you get really lazy commentating. This is, this is, really common in WWE at the minute where they'll just say things like, oh, what a manoeuvre. Like, oh, what a great move. Stuff like that. Does that annoy you as a as a restaurant commentator? But does that annoy you like when they're not putting 100% in? I wouldn't say that they're not putting 100% in because I've been in that situation to where um, sometimes what a manoeuvre is, that person has named that move and maybe you don't know what the name of that move is. Right. Or... Yeah. covering something up like you're, you're you're trying to cover up a mistake because I'm, I'm there's also like sometimes you see something happen in the ring that you know like didn't quite go the way it was supposed to and you can either you can either hone in on it or you could touch and go you know what i'm saying and i'm a touch and go type person because if somebody saw it they saw it but a lot of times they didn't see it until you expose it and now they're thinking about that instead of the match so if you touch and go like oh he almost hit that or, oh like man you know he didn't get all of it but so and so or you know what i'm saying yeah. That way you lost it and then you keep going. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's called a high risk maneuver, you, you know, stuff like that. That way it's like sometimes that stuff happens. But if you're like, oh, he messed that up. Oh, I can't believe he did that. Oh, that was horrible. Play that again. Play that again. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. So all about adapting, isn't it? And sort of like thinking on your feet on the fly. It, it But it, it is. And that's why, like, I get a lot of things and, and, and like, even with newscasters, you, you're thinking and you're speaking on the fly and you're live, you know, and, you, and you're paid to be witty. You're paid to be sharp and you're paid to say what you see when you when you when you see it, you know. And so you talk about people like um, the only person I can really think of has gotten in trouble by like, like Jim Cornette. He's gotten in a lot of trouble because he's probably the wittiest person I know. He's like gifted with his. I think he's supposed to be like a Southern Baptist preacher. <laughs> but like but he's gotten in trouble because he would say something and then you know, that he got away with it in the 80s, but you can't get away with it now. But it's not that intentionally like saying, oh, I'm going to say this, then I'm going to say that. It's just, you're talking. You, yeah. You're seeing something and, and you're spitting it out. You know, you're trying to keep it going. You're trying to keep it live. You're trying to keep the drum moving. Like you're the drum of this whole, of this whole instrument. And you're trying to keep the beat going. And, you, and you're just like, you're spitting out, you're spitting out lyrics. You're like the rapper spitting out lyrics or whatever with the track, you know? And then some, sometimes you'll say something that you wish you could pull back or you didn't know it was offensive to somebody. And then somebody gets offended, but it wasn't meant in offense at the time. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're getting paid to be witty, you're getting paid to be sharp. Yeah. So is like is is that daunting at all? Because obviously we know that you were great on the mic, all, all the things that you've done before commentary, like with Cedric and Kenny and that. So we knew what you were capable of on a microphone and in a promo. But obviously it's very different to do a two or three minute promo to doing an entire show, which could be a couple of hours long with. Of, of constantly being scrutinized and being under the microscope for the things that you're saying. So like, was that daunting at all, even for somebody as confident as, you, as yourself? Well, here's the deal with me. Um, the reason why I think the secret behind everything um, is that I am a preacher. I am a preacher. And so I don't cuss. Um, there's some words I don't use. There's some phrases I don't go to. There's some underhands I don't have. I, like I just don't normally use in my conversation. So I'm not somebody that's that has you know uh, 
uh, cussing in their vocabulary that when they're on TV, they're trying not to cuss because I don't cuss. You know, I'm not somebody that that speaks, you know, I was perverted or what, I don't know. Like, I guess because of who I am, I can be carefree on there and I'm not going to say anything that's that's a, offensive. You know what I'm saying? And and so you don't have to watch. The only Sadly, the only thing I can't talk about is the ministry thing. It's like, you know, if I say something about Jesus or something like, oh, you can't say that. But then you got like satanic this and satanic that, that you speak. Oh, from down under and that, you can speak about that all. Can't say that, you know, but like that's that's the source behind everything, I believe, is the way I've been raised in, in my beliefs of just, you know, being that person that, you know, I don't cuss. I don't, there's a lot of things I just don't do. And so when I'm doing commentary, I'm actually a fan of this stuff. And so it's genuine reactions that I'm able to speak about. Yeah, man, that's a really good point. Like I literally never, ever thought about that. You, you obviously, WWE have dabbled with religion a little bit when it was, Jesus, man, when it was Vince McMahon versus God at that, that period. But we've, we, you don't really see religion come into wrestling but you're right you you see so many demonic things and the undertaker and satan and vampires and that i I never really thought about that that's that's weird how they will allow one thing but not the other is that is that sort of just like um is it an unwritten rule or it's not weird at all it's intentional i'm just leave it like that okay (laughs) okay right Fair enough. Yeah, we'll leave we'll leave that alone. I'll Google it afterwards and see like if there's yeah. something that I'm missing, maybe. <laughs> right. Um, just, like, some things are sensitive to some people and some things aren't sensitive. You know, and so just yeah. kind of what I've done is instead of me harping on it, I take what I'm giving it and I make the best of what I have. You know what I'm saying? I can I can be positive without saying Jesus and without saying God, or I can still be who I am. I can still have an impact. You know, my impact is not those words. My That impact is who, who they are through me. So I can still be impactful just by being me. And I can walk the line that you tell me to walk and still be impactful. That's just who I am. Yeah, that's the best way to be. Absolutely. No, yeah. I completely agree, man. Absolutely. Um, I, want, I wanted to ask, um, obviously, I've mentioned WWE a lot. And I really try not to do that because people must get so bored about harping on about WWE all the time. But... You've actually obviously had experience within WWE. I know that you've had matches against um, Chris Masters, a uh, match against Snitsky as well. Like, how did those opportunities come up for you? Because I know I think you had about five or six matches in total. So, like, you were obviously known to somebody within WWE to have been selected that many times for those matches. And I know they're like house shows or dark matches or whatever it might be. But was was there ever any more of a discussion about you doing more for them or? Or sticking around, or maybe signing with them, or anything like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there was it all came from NWA Wildside, um, and they were they would contact Wildside, and, and it got to the point to where uh, anytime the uh, WWE was in North Carolina, Virginia, uh, South Carolina, like surrounding areas, they, they I would get the call, and um, and it and I believe um, through by the grace of God, like my my work ethic got to the point to where people would request to work with me, you know, and um, it just, it just kind of happened to be the pick of the draw to where when somebody was really interested in me, they would, they would get transferred to something else or they would lose their job and it would change, you know? And so if you look at the times I was there, it was like different people in charge, like almost every year. And so every time I came, it was almost like reintroducing myself over and over and over again, because the management would change and the people that were in charge would change. And um, and so I would just go there and, and do what I was supposed to do and, and hope for the best, you know, and um, it, it just got to where I was respected, you know, and 
And that's what it was. And so it, it is what it is. You know, I think everything happens for a reason. You know, I can't I can't be mad at anybody because I, I don't believe anybody had it out for me. But then, you know, there are also other things at the time that I was looking at WWE that WWE was that they're not anymore, you know, because, you know, you can be uh, now you can be great and make it. But now but back then it was kind of like they had certain people for certain positions. And once that once that hole was filled, it was filled, you know, and unless you really stood out somehow, then, you know, it just was what it was. Yeah, yeah, but what's what's nice about it is like you, you're clearly not sour about about not signing for WWE. I, I'm not going to name who it was, but I've I've done an interview with somebody who had done a few matches for WWE similar to you, like dark matches, house shows, that kind of thing, enhancement talent, or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. And they were clearly a little bit resentful of the fact that they weren't picked up by by WWE. But you you don't seem to have any. You the, the way you speak, you speak well of it and like you 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 know like you don't have any regrets i live bro i live life man i, I give i give the best with the opportunities that i'm given you know what i'm saying i i can't make somebody decide something and and i believe like everything happened maybe i was protected by not being there you know i don't know yeah. but it's not to figure out my job is when i'm given opportunities to do my best at it you know and then and then let everything else take care of itself if i sit there and worry about things i don't have control of i lose control of myself there are a lot of things that I have control of that I'm supposed to take care of that I might not be doing a great job at, you know what I'm saying? But if I hone in on those things, those are the things that I'm supposed to take care of. And then from those things, other opportunities come. So I try to focus on the things that I can control. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which, why, yeah, why, why focus on the negatives? Why focus on what could have been? Just put 100%, 110% into what, what, what is, you know? I completely yeah. agree, man. Absolutely. I think that's how we should all be living our lives. Um, like you say, it might have been a blessing in disguise, though, because we, we've seen the way that the business has changed. We've seen the way that WWE specifically has changed, how many people they've got rid of over the years. And I hope you don't mind me asking. This is something that I spoke to Shane Taylor about. Um, I've spoken to all of STP, Rev Ron as well, Moses Khan, all of those guys, O'Shea. Um, <laughs> I love, man, I love STP. I've had them all on uh, three times each now. I could do it another 10 times each because they're always so much fun to talk to. Just just good, good guys, you know? Absolutely. Really good Absolutely. guys, really are. Just hard-working guys. That's what I, that's like I said at the start. I always get that from Ring of Honor. You guys all work so hard and work so hard for each other. And that's that's basically the motto of, of STP. The mantra of STP is to work hard for each other, isn't it? So, But anyway, um, I'm going off track. Um, when, I, when I've spoken to them... Obviously, there's no getting away from the fact that they are five strong, powerful um, African-American men on TV in a prominent position, which we've not really seen too much of over the years, but we are starting to see a lot more of it now. And obviously, there's also women like Bianca Belair, Roxy in Ring of Honor. Lots more representation is, is coming out over the years. How do you feel that the industry, the business is doing in terms of diversity, not just for not just for black men, black women, African-American, but also for, you know, for for Asian and, you know, mixed ethnicity and, 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 and those as well? How do you feel and, and what what could be done more? I always I never know how to ask this question, but I'm always really keen to, to understand because obviously it's not something that has ever obviously ever affected me. I mean, it's not something I've ever had to deal with as a young white British guy. So what 
what how do you feel about it about diversity and representation that's what i was kind of alluding to uh, earlier uh, about when i was you know uh, trying to get into wwe it was kind of like that spot was filled already you know, it had they had shelton benjamin they had kofi kingston and so there was no need for me unless there was something outrageous about me like you know what i'm saying that, that spot was filled but today is different to where they just have great talent and if you're talented, you know, you can make it, you know. And so there was a shift somewhere. And I don't know if it's, if it's you know, Triple H or, or whatever. But somehow they've been able to see that if you use everybody, everybody watches. Like, <laughs> you know, I think and I hate to say it, like, I think what probably woke him up was like the great Kali. If you think about it, because like the great Kali um, won the title and it was like, oh, he's great. But he won the title because if he's champion, I was. I was in Kuwait when the great Kali won uh, the heavyweight championship. I was working in Kuwait. Um, I was, I worked, I lived in Kuwait for three years. That was the biggest thing on base to the people that lived in India. I had a lot of friends from India that worked on the base that that, that were from India, Sri Lanka, uh, the Philippines. uh, And, and then there were Kuwaitis uh, and all then the Americans or whatever. But like, it was almost like, the same thing like the Olympics and soccer, when the great Kali won the championship, everybody that knew I was a wrestler came to my office that day, all my Indian friends and was like, Kali's the champion of the world. He's the greatest wrestler of the world. He's the best. Like it was a huge deal. And it's like people that never watched wrestling before, people from India that never watched wrestling before were now watching wrestling because their champion was from India. And so that what WWE was a smart move was got a whole freaking continent watching watching wrestling because they made their champion from that continent. You see what I'm saying? And so, but but the whole thing was about like if you put us there, we will watch it. And and the thing about wrestling in the past is that you know every once in a while you will have a, a black wrestler there, but they really wouldn't take them serious. But we were really taking serious in all the other sports. So why is pro wrestling the other sport that the only sport that we're not good at? Yeah, absolutely. But like, um, so I don't know if this is something that you've ever noticed. I, I imagine you probably have. It's something that I've always noticed literally every year. Obviously, Black History Month, um, we have it in a different month to when America do. I, I, I can't remember when it is exactly, but um, pretty much every year on tap, when it when it rolls around, or at least sort of probably it probably stopped a few years ago, I'll be honest. But it seemed like every single year when Black History Month rolled around, boom, all of a sudden we had a new black champion. We had a new black US champion or intercontinental champion. I think the last time I noticed it really was our truth was US champion. And I think it was Bobby Lashley at the same time became intercontinental champion. And it was like a week or a few days before black history month. And it felt very forced and it shouldn't feel forced, but maybe I don't know if that's me as a fan and I've been conditioned to think that way because of what WWE have done in the past. Like those guys are two of the most deserving guys that I can think of for those titles and not just because they're black. Like, is that something that's ever jumped out at you? I know Shane, Shane pretty much agreed with that, that it, it has sometimes felt a little bit forced or like it's for, for marketing and promotional opportunities. It's, it's almost like um, you ever played Super Mario Brothers? You play that game? Yeah. God, so much. <laughs> Think, I think around February, um, black people hit the brick where the mushroom comes out. 
that's what happens. And then around March or April, we run into one of the little toads or something. <laughs> Maybe that's what happens. Yeah, it's um, it's it's strange, but things are getting better, aren't they? Like you said, things are getting they, better. That, and that's what you know. What we could harp on the past, the past, the past, and the past is real. It is what it is. I'm not gonna. I, one thing that's probably got me. <laughs> uh stay me where i'm at is that I'm, i will speak if, if i'm asked to speak you know what i'm saying uh it, it was definitely that way but i will also say that things have changed you know things are changing things are getting better and if you look at tv now I, there's a promo that that uh that i did that got a lot of you know uh i guess hit a popularity about the fact that me growing up um i was a huge fan of rocky king you know, he was a guy in the 80s where he was a black guy, he had the curly hair and he had the muscles and all. And I just thought he was the coolest guy ever. He never won a match and he always came close to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and then a friend, I would, he, one day he beat like Mr. Wrestling number two. He was like a mask guy. And um, and I came to, to, to school and I was talking about it. And my friends were like, yeah, that's probably the only match he wins because that sport is not for us. And I didn't get it. I didn't get it. You know, I just knew that, you know, Rocky King, maybe one day he's going to win a match. Maybe he's going to win another one. And then I started seeing it when uh, they did a, a skit with him with the four horsemen to where they they made him part of the four horsemen. They made him feel like he's going to be part of the four horsemen, but they like kept making jokes of him and kept like picking at him, and kept be, degrading him. And that was the way they brought uh, the JYD in or whatever like that. And then they, they ran that down. And it was kind of like I kind of started to see how, you know, we were treated. In, in wrestling you know and i kind of like was still watch it and all and then like um ron simmons came and became like world champion and i was like oh wow you know we got a black champion it was like yeah for now you know and he held the title for like i don't know how long he was champion for it was like a, a short reign um but then like then booker t or whatever like that and so it, it would happen like in spurts you know what i'm saying and then like the rock or, or whatever like that but then like that little hope what happened and it's still in the back of my head it was like yeah it only happens every once in a while but now like when you turn on tv you see like the cedric alexander yourself benjamin kofi kingston keith lee uh mvp you see ricochet you got uh bianca belair you got sasha banks you got all these people that look like us you know the stp you got the moose you got all all these people everywhere you know, to where we're represented everywhere. So people that want to watch wrestling, they watch wrestling, they turn on, they see somebody that looks like them in all facets. You know, you have the, the Spanish wrestlers, the rest, the, the Asian wrestlers, the black wrestlers, the white wrestlers. And that's the way it's supposed to be, like a little bit of everybody. Like even you know, WWE UK, like it's some it's, of everybody there. And I, and I think, you know, if we're all going to be part of this, they're athletes on all aspects of this. And I think now it's a world to where everybody can participate in. And now it's an even playing field, like even or more even playing field i'll put it that way yeah and and i think like what 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 strikes me the most is it feels normal now and it obviously it should have always felt normal um i don't know if that sounds bad but it feels like um so like the example i gave of black history month and our true from bobby lashley like you noticed you noticed that like oh hold on we've not had a black champion for a while and now these guys have both got got a title like what's going on here like that that conversation doesn't come up now when kofi won when Big E won, when Lashley had his recent run as well, like it's just like, oh great, cool, I'm I'm, I'm happy for them. Like I genuinely, you know, this this probably sounds a little bit contrived, and I'm sure people probably won't believe it, but I 
I'm a big, big, big fan of Big E. Always have been. I love New Day. Um, I would die on the hill. They're the best faction in wrestling history. And that won't go down well with a lot of people, but I genuinely believe they are. Um, I don't watch them on TV and see three black men. I see three wrestlers who I enjoy watching. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't need to factor into anything. I don't think, oh, there's there's three African American men coming down to the ring. Like, no, that's Big E, Woods, and and Kofi. Like, that's how it feels now. It feels normal like i i didn't grow up in a racist area or anything like that when i was a a kid growing up watching wrestling that wasn't really a conversation that was had either like it was i think like you said it was pretty much just the rock at that point um i was much younger than nation of domination as well um but there weren't really any conversations going around when when they became champion um about like it becoming more normal because we we knew it wasn't going to happen we knew it wasn't going to be normal because there, there there just weren't many many on the roster were there i think in that same period of like the early 2000s in terms of representation for women it was just jazz and jacqueline like that was literally it yeah well here's the thing with the new day and you you kind of hit the nail on the head and didn't even realize it when you saw them you, you didn't see uh black guys you saw wrestlers and the reason why is because they were able to be themselves like Kofi's Kofi and Biggie yeah. and yeah. They're, like they're they're nerds. Like <laughs> they're like they're nerd. They video they play video games and it, they just that's what they do. And the great thing about that is, before if you look at the past in the '90s and all that, if you saw one of us on there, we were a thug, we were a gangster, we were a rapper, we were this big scary guy that's like ah fear us, you know we're gonna rob you, we're gonna hurt you, we're gonna break. I'm bad news brown. I'm a bad. You know, but then you got these guys that come in like, yo, I play video games just like you play. I'm like, oh, y'all play video games? You're cool. We all kind of play video games, but they were allowed to do it. You see what I'm saying? And I think the problem with them is is expounding uh, on our culture uh, that there's more to our culture than what is forced to be stereotypically shown on TV. You know, so some say, oh, Oh, they they their laughing starts, they're clowns, like no, they're they're them, they're themselves times 10. I've been in I've been in places with with, with, with Apollo Creed and all when he was at NWA Wildside with AJ Styles and all, they would be in the back playing video games until it was time for them to wrestle. That's just who they were. And they were allowed to do it on TV. And I believe like when, when I see the new day, I see three guys that are allowed to be who they are and who they always were, and they weren't forced to be in a different character. You know, and if you look at Kofi Kingston before, he was kind of put into a Jamaican gimmick and all that stuff until uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H was like, oh, what happened to your accent? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? That promo, because that's what they saw him as. Oh, you're going to be a disc of that. When, like, he was already who he was, you know, and I, and I believe the New Day was an ex- expansion of, you know, we're not always the stereotype. There are some people that could do gangsters and all that, and there, there's a talk about, you know, when I was talking to WWE at the time, um, Laurenitis was like, well, can you rap? Can you do this? And I was like, no, I'm actually a pretty intelligent person. Like, I can talk for myself. I'm not a rapper. I'm not a gangster. I'm not a thug. I'm not this. It was like, oh, yeah. But when it, they were talking about crime time. And, like, if yeah. I would have been part of crime time, you would have been able to look at me and be like, this dude ain't no gangster. But you got JD with them jokers. They played that. They did it because that's they could do it. You, you see what I'm saying? They could do it and make it funny. And that just shows how mostly faceted our culture is. We could be we could be funny, we could be video games, we could be funny, we could be our truth, we could be scary, we could be smart, we could we could do all of it. We just need a chance to be able to show it. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. I wanted to be the middle 
style of man, if you ask me. You feel me, though? <laughs> <laughs> Shane made a really good point, like, basically similar to what you just said about um, New Day. Not only, not only is that them guys just being themselves, but, like, amped up times 10, it's helped other young black people, African-American people to, to embrace that side of themselves as well, because like going to comic cons and conventions and being gamers and nerds and comic book geeks and stuff like that. Shane was saying like, that's not really something that, that, you know, young black men have had much of um much exposure to, like it, it, it's never really felt like it's something that you're allowed to get into, but seeing the new day on there, seeing Xavier Woods on G4 TV and up, up, down, down and things like that. It inspires you, doesn't it? It, it does, and like it, it inspires you too, in a way, because, like you said, when you said you said I didn't see them as you know black guys, I saw them as wrestlers because you related to that. Yeah, and it's like we all relate if you let us. Yeah, but if you make us different, we're gonna be different. You know what I'm saying? If you if you harp on our differences, then you're gonna see our differences. But if you let us be us, you see we're all kind of the same. Yeah, man, we are. We're all just human beings. Simple. Yeah, we're, we're all the same. We're all the same deep down. Background, cultures, but we all get up every day. We, you know, we, we pretty much have pretty much the same routines, hopefully, to get up for hygiene. <laughs> and we start our days, you know, you know, but like it, it's, it's social media, it's the world, it's the facet, the, the TV that makes us different. And I, and I saw it more even when I was living in Kuwait um to where i would go certain places or whatever and like um some some people would talk to me and they turn their head back and they say yo 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 you know because they thought and i was like no 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 that's that's not me like you know what i'm saying but then like then there's a lot of respect there as well like i have a whole nother conversation about my my years overseas um that but it's just kind of like what what they are what they see on on movies and on tv is what they believe america's like yeah. until they get you see what I'm saying? And so it's kind of the same thing with WWE. And I was like, if you're if you're forced to perceive that's what we are, when you meet us, that's what you think, you know, until you get to know that, no, we probably have a lot in common if you give us a chance. Yeah, because I'm assuming, obviously I've not been to Kuwait, but I'm assuming countries like Kuwait don't don't get much exposure to that right. side of things. So it must be hard to break away from those stereotypes for, for people over there. But it, it was until until I was there a little longer and like um and it's, it's actually like a really really dope set and like they um it's a Muslim country and it's really changed my view on a lot of things because I've learned that everything that we see on TV and on American TV is what we're allowed to see. Yeah. It all goes through channels, you know what I'm saying? And 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 um, what is spoke about is what we are taught to believe, but it's not the one, it's, it's three sides to every story. I'll put it that way. And, and I'm a Christian and I'm sitting here talking about a Muslim country, but I've also realized living in that country for three years, that there's, there's their side, our side and the truth. And the truth is somewhere in the middle, you know? And like, and, and if you've never experienced that, then you really won't, really won't understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. 100% man. Um, right. So um, first of all, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I really appreciate you giving me your time. It means the world to me. Like I say, I such a huge, huge ring of honor fan. So I want to, I want to end on a question that unfortunately I'm having to ask all ring of honor talent at the minute. I, I hope I'm wrong. Obviously 
I hope by the time April 2022 rolls around, Ring of Honor comes back bigger than ever, stronger than ever, and just raring to go. But if things were to just for the drop of a drop of a hat tomorrow, just end, if, if there was no more Ring of Honor, obviously I hope that's not the case. But if that was to happen, what in your opinion would be the lasting legacy of Ring of Honor? I know what it would be for me, but what would it be for you? The the lasting legacy of Ring of Honor is pro wrestling. If you think about it. And the reason why I say that is if you look at pro wrestling now, if you look at WWE, if you look at AEW, if you look at any promotion now, their champions, their main guys are former Ring of Honor guys. You know, and the way it is, because we are the legit foundation of professional wrestling. None of our guys come from Ring of Honor and go into a training facility and then go to TV. We go from Ring of Honor straight to TV whether it's NXT or whether it's WWE, whether it's TNA or whether it's AEW or whatever, because the foundation is set of wrestling with Ring of Honor. All they do is they give us a character <laughs> or, or let us be, you see what I'm saying? Um, but 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 pro wrestling is foundation, I will always say is Ring of Honor. And so you can look at whatever wrestling you choose to look at and you're going to see um, a huge percentage of Ring of Honor there anyway. You know, and that's why, like, I've never really talked junk about any company because here's my deal. I have friends at WWE. I have friends at AEW. I have friends at TNA. I have friends at MLW. I have friends at all these places. And when I see these guys, I don't look at the, oh, they work for WWE. They're the enemy. It's like, no, my friend is able to eat now. He's able to pay his bills now. You see what I'm saying? My friend is where he, I'm proud of him because we winning now. I remember when we was eating you know, fast food together because we was trying to get to the next show and was trying to sleep in. So unfortunately, we had some technical issues there, some Wi-Fi issues on Caprice's end. Real shame, but he was an absolute blast to talk to. We were about to wrap up the interview anyway, so it's not the end of the world. Um, if you're looking for Caprice on social media, hit him up at Caprice Coleman. He's on all social media platforms. If you're looking for anything that he's got coming up soon, WrestleCade is going to be an absolutely huge, huge, huge event alongside loads of other amazingly talented Ring of Honor superstars. Thank you for watching, guys. Thank you for listening. You know where to find me. It's all going to be in the About section. Please, as always, make sure you hit subscribe. Please make sure you hit follow, depending on where you're watching, depending on where you're listening. And I'll hope to see you again next time on It's My Wrestling Podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.